have a special treat this morning. Uh, my wife, co-pastor Sarah, is going to be speaking this morning. I'm excited to hear a message on love. Uh, this is uh, very pertinent. Um, I have learned um, uh, no one has taught me more about love than, than my wife. And so this is a great subject to hear her on this morning. So let's pray together. Let's pray over her and us this morning. Father, we pray for this morning as... Um, uh, as the message is shared, Father, I pray that you'll be with Sarah. Give her the words to speak. Father, speak through her. Allow it to be your your message this morning. And then, Father, we pray for all of us uh, that you will just prepare our hearts, Father, that we can hear from you uh, this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, I am so excited to get to speak to you today. Um, I've been a teacher for many years, and I always tell my kiddos, when you're going up to speak, don't have gum in your mouth and don't have, you know, candy in your mouth. And here I'm up here with a cough drop. So forgive all the coughs in the microphone. Um, but I'm really excited to, to speak during Advent and to speak about love. And I was, as I was reflecting on love to prepare for love, the first thing that came to mind um, was a movie that I watched over and over and over and over again when I, when I was growing up, and it's called The Princess Bride. How many people here have watched, seen The Princess? Okay, so we have some fans. <laughs> How many people can guess which clip I'm a few of you. It was one of those movies that when we sat down as a family to watch it, I mean, you couldn't hardly hear the film because we would just say all the lines as they came up. So for those of you who don't know The Princess Bride, it's a fairy tale uh, where true love is put to the test. Um, can true love win? And um, here's a clip from the marriage scene where... Um, the, the princess is marrying someone who's not her true love. Don't worry, I'll spoiler alert, she doesn't end up marrying him. But it's, it's a great clip. Let's go ahead and, and watch that. Marriage. <laughs> Marriage is what brings us together today. Marriage, that wicked arrangement, that dream within a dream. That's your crown, men. That's your crown. Then love, true love, will follow you forever. So treasure your wife. Skip to the end. Have you the wind? Man and wife. Say man and wife. Man and wife. I can't tell you how many times we would say, marriage, a dream within a dream, or we would talk about true love. Um, such, a, such a fun, fun movie. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. It's a classic, True Love Wins, and they go riding off into the sunset, uh, sunset in the end. So I wanted to start with that clip just to kind of get us thinking about, about love. And in our culture today... Um, it's interesting because there's a lot of different views on love and a lot of different definitions for love. But the predominant definition for love is that love is a feeling. Love is an affection for someone that's often based either on a, a physical attraction or some sort of connection with that, with that person. Um, and since it's a feeling, since feelings come and go, then so does love. Love comes and goes. It's almost like this mysterious connection that just appears and can just as easily disappear. I was in the car listening to the radio the other day and an Alicia Keys song came on, which I love Alicia Keys. But this song 
was called falling. And the chorus is, um, she repeats over and over, I keep falling in and out of love with you. And I just don't know what to do. And this idea that, that love comes and love goes. So today as we talk about love, I want to explore, could love be more than that? Could love be more than just this feeling that we have no control over that comes and goes? And so I want to start off in the passage that is often called the love, the love passage of Scripture. And a lot of you have probably heard it. Um, it's 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. It's often a passage that's read at, at weddings um, to describe love. And it goes like this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Wouldn't that be awesome? It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And when you read this description of love, I can't help but think, wow, this is beautiful. This is, this is the kind of love I want to have. This is the kind of love that I want to be a part of. This is the kind of love that I want to strive for. And yet often in our lives and how we experience love, this, this isn't what love always looks like. And, and many of us, unfortunately, bear, bear some scars of relationships, past or present, where, where love has failed in some way. And, um, and it, it hasn't looked like this. And yet, 1 Corinthians 13, this passage shows us what love is supposed to look like, what love can look like. And so as I, as I asked myself, well, how is it that love can look like this? Um, I found this other verse, and it's in John 4, 8. And it, and it says that God is love. That God is love. And so if we look at this passage again, and we think of it as, um, we think of it as, as God being love, and we even take the passage and we replace it with, um, replace God with love, it, w- it gives us a picture of God, and it gives us a picture of what, of what love looks like. So I'm going to read it again, and this time I'm just going to replace love with God. God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. And God does not boast. God is not proud. And God does not dishonor others. God is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. God keeps no record of wrongs. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. God always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. God never fails. And that really gives new meaning to this passage for me, this idea that that God is love. And so the description that we read gives us a picture of God's love and God's perfect love. And, And humor me, true love. Like from the movie, if we're, if we're looking for true love that is found in the picture of God, God's perfect love. 
So today as we talk about love, I want to reflect on God's love for us and then how we can imitate God's love in our own lives. So the, the main passage that I want to resonate in today is 1 John 4. And this is where the God is love is taken out of. So let's read through the whole thing. It's, it, there's a lot packed in there. We won't talk about everything. And then we'll go through it kind of verse by verse and, and see what we can learn about God's love. John 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in loves lives in God and God in them. What a beautiful, beautiful passage. And there's so much in there. Um, I want to ask, what do, we, what do we learn about God's love? So in verse 8, it says um, that whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So, so love is the core characteristic of God, a core characteristic of, of God. So love kind of defines who God is and vice versa. God defines who love is. So to know this true love or this perfect love that we speak of, then we must know God and vice versa is true. To really know God, then we must know and experience his kind of of love, this God-like love. And then in verse 9, it goes down to, sh- to talk about, well, how has God showed us this love? And it says, he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. As a parent, it's a little bit hard to understand. It's almost incomprehensible how a parent could send a child to experience um, pain and suffering for someone else. And it's, it's interesting to think of it as a, as a, as a parent. Um, God sending Jesus was the single greatest act of love that, that anyone has ever, has ever done. To give of yourself that much um, is, is just incredible. It's, it's, when you think of it in those terms, it's almost hard to understand. It almost seems wrong. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't give your child over, you know, to pain and suffering for someone else. Like that doesn't quite seem that goes against our nature. Um, 
And I was trying to think of, you know, what's a what's an example of that in 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 our life that we could understand better. And, and the thing I thought of was um, cancer and bone cancer. And and I've heard of stories. I've known people whose siblings went through um, terrible pain to give their bone marrow for another child to save to save their brother or sister. And the idea that God loves us so much that he would give what is most precious to him to, to go through that suffering so that we could, he could save us is just a really powerful, powerful thought. And it's something that we, we say so often, at least for me, you know, you hear that all growing up, God loves you, God loves you, God sent his son, Jesus died for you. You almost lose the, um, the, the awesomeness of that. Um, and, and so that's something worth reflecting on, that God sent his son because he loved us so much um, to die for us. So as we think of Advent, we're reflecting on, on why would God send Jesus, and love is, is at the core of that. So as I th- thought about that, I kind of went back to our culture's definition of love is this is this strong feeling, this strong attachment. And I want to de- redefine love for us in terms of God's love. And here's a new definition of love. The giving of oneself for another or to another. So God took what was most precious to him and he gave that to us. He gave his son. So, And what's amazing is Jesus, who is God himself, was willing to do this. He, he wanted to do this for us as well. And he came down and he lived a perfect, sin, sinless life. Um, he was undeserving of death on the cross, and yet he took our own sin and he, he, he paid that price so that we could be restored back to God, so that we could have a relationship with God. The verse 10 says, But he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, to restore that right relationship, to pay for that sin. So when I reflect on the beauty of this love, it's amazing. And it's like, yes, I want part of that. I want to be a recipient of that love. I want God to love me like that, and I want to accept that. But what's interesting about love is that love is very relational in nature. Um, if you've ever been a part of a relationship where you loved someone and they didn't love you back, that's a really painful relationship. Or you wanted to be friends with someone and they didn't want to be friends with you. That can be really painful. And and, and this love relationship with God is, is very similar to that. God wants to love us, but he also wants us to love him. There's this mutuality in love where, where God wants to love and be loved, just like we want to love and, and to be loved. When Jesus was asked by the Sadducees and Pharisees, you know, what's the greatest command in all of Scripture? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, with everything that you have. Love God. And then he goes on to say, and love your neighbor as yourself. And, and we'll get to that. But but it's really important to, to realize that God wants us to love him. The way we accept his love is by loving him as well. Um, one of the reasons why he, he created us with free will, or we could choose to reject him, isn't because he wants us to reject him, but 
it's not, it's not real love if we don't get a choice in it. And God wants us to choose um, to love him. So let's continue. Verse, verse 11. It says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This idea of, of Jesus saying, love the Lord your God with everything you've got, but also love your neighbor as yourself. One of the ways that we participate in this love relationship with God, one of the ways that we love God is by loving the people around us. We allow God's love to enter us and to change who we are, and then we operate in those same ways, and we love people. Jesus told a parable, and in that parable he said, um, whatever you do to the least of these, you do for me. So the idea that what you're doing for other people, you're doing for God. So as we show love to other people, we show love, we show love to God. Verse 13, it goes on and it says, um, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. So we've talked about how God gives us, he gave us his son. So that the, the one big gift of Jesus brings us salvation. But he's still continually giving us his Holy Spirit and this Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. Um, it's kind of kind of interesting to think about what is the spirit and how does that actually work? Um, and it's like the presence of God living inside our hearts, inside our minds. And um, Scripture talks about the transforming power of the spirit and how the spirit works in our hearts to change us to be more like God. In Galatians 5, it talks about the fruits of the spirit. And it's not by accident that the very first fruit on that list is love. The fruits of the spirits are love and peace, uh, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So, so God gave us Jesus. God gives us the Holy Spirit. And in, 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 as the Holy Spirit works in us, he gives us these other gifts of, of changing our hearts and transforming us so that we increase in our capacity to love like him. We increase in our capacity to have joy like him and to be at peace like him and to, to have patience and kindness for people like him. And so it, there's this beautiful gift of God, um, God's, God living inside of us and transforming us. The interesting thing about a gift is that it has to be received. People, I can choose to give a gift and someone can choose to reject it. And so, so part of our, our calling, our job, if you may, is to open ourselves up to God so that we can receive this love, so that we can receive this transforming work of the Holy Spirit that's working inside of us. And the last verse that we're going to look at is uh, verse 16. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So we know and rely on the love of God. What does it mean to rely on the love of God? I rely on my car to get me to work. Like, I, I rely on that paycheck coming in at the end of the month so I can pay for my groceries. Like, I, I get 
the, the meaning of that word in those contexts. What does it mean to rely on the love of God? And then it goes on to say, whoever lives in love, and remember, God is love. So whoever lives in this love lives in God and God in them. Believe that, and, and I think as a Christian, I'm still finding out the depths of that, what that really means in my life, to, to fully know and rely on the love of God. But here, here are three things that I think it, it, it means. Um, one is to accept this love of God in my life. So uh, to open myself up and say, God, yes, I, I will accept this love, and I, I will know that I am loved by you. And in accepting that love, I love God. I love God back. The second thing is to open up ourselves to the work of the Spirit. So to, to say, yes, God, I accept your love. Your Holy Spirit is living inside me. And I will, I will accept his work in my life to transform me to be more like you. And the third thing is to imitate the love of God. So as, as God changes me, then I'm able to live a life of love the way God lives love, um, with that whole list of, you know, the patient and the kind and, and all that. What's interesting is I can't really do the third unless the first and the second have happened. Or it's kind of cyclical. Like I can't just say, okay, I, from here on out, I'm going to be a really good person and I'm just going to love everybody. Like, that's just not going to happen. Um, unless I've, and there's only so much of me to give. Like, I can't love it. It's like, I can't love everyone on my own. Like, I would have nothing left. So, so how is it that we can imitate God's love? Well, that's only if we're being continually filled up, accepting God's love in our lives and experiencing that love for ourselves. And it's only if the Holy Spirit is increasing our capacity to love through the fruits of the Spirit and say, and God is giving it almost as a gift, here's more love for you so that you can share that. So what would it really look like? We kind of talked a little bit in in theory. What would it really look like to accept God's love in my life? For me, I think about my identity. You know, who am I? really. And to accept the love of God means that my identity, the foundation of it, is that I'm a loved child of God. And it doesn't matter what people say, or what my job is, or where I'm at. So the the circumstances of my life don't get to dictate who I am. Don't get to dictate if I feel good about myself or not. Um, My identity is rooted and grounded in the fact that I am a loved child of God. And the beauty of that is that it comes with such an amazing sense of peace and security, such an amazing sense of, of purpose, because I know who I am, and I know that my, my, my life is to be about sharing God's love. And so as, as I come to accept that in my own life, then I come to accept the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is working inside of me to create this new, this new identity. And um, 
And interestingly, sometimes we, we try to stop it there, you know, and, and, and act as if we're just consumers of this love. We just get this love for ourselves and we're going to hold on to it and it's going to make our life better. But that's, that's really not in the nature of love. Love is, is, is mutual. So we have to go back and forth. And so from this new identity, from this, this place of I'm a loved child of God, then I can go out and I can begin to imitate God's love in my own life. So what would it look like in our lives if we were living out God's love? What would it look like in our family if we were imitating God's love? How would it change the way I talk to my kids when it's 8 o'clock at night and they're supposed to be in bed and they're not and I'm tired like, how, how does that change my tone? How does that change how I interact with my husband? Um, there's big and small things. But as we accept the love of God, we realize how loved we are. We're able to love others, and we're able to, to receive love um, from others like our family. When we think of, of going to work and our coworkers, I had a wonderful conversation with a friend yesterday, and uh, she mentioned being poked at work. (laughs) And and the idea of being poked is just being provoked. And, you know, just someone just trying to get under your skin just because they could, they can. And, and how does it, how does the love of God in our life change us so we can respond to that in a more loving manner, in a more peaceful manner and calm manner, and not allow their um, pokes to to dictate how we feel about ourselves, but instead to respond out of the secure and peaceful sense of identity that no, I am a loved child of God, and I will respond to your to to, to the way you're acting out of that. Um, I think of of strangers and just uh, I think of grocery lines. You ever been in a grocery line? There's 10 people, and, it, and sometimes it, it can be bad. Sometimes there's someone at the front who's just having a bad day, and they're not, they're not treating the cashier very, very well. Um, other times, there's just a, 10, 10 people standing in a line, looking straight ahead, not smiling, just minding their own business, waiting for the line to come. And I've seen it so many times. One person will make a friendly comment. One person will start a kind conversation. And everyone's listening because everyone's right there. And soon the whole line is smiling and talking and waiting um, to, to check out their groceries. And, and some of these examples are really small, like how, what does love look like in our lives? These are the small small examples of how it can change the tone of our day-to-day. And then there's some of the big stuff. Um, you know, someone hurts us in, in terrible ways in, in finding forgiveness. Like, how do you do that? Um, are, and can everything really be forgiven? And, and I think it, it, can, it can only find peace and forgiveness for others when we really understand how God has loved us and how God has forgiven us. And we can find those, those things in the context of God's love. So our invitation, my invitation for us today is to accept God's love, 
And, and if this is something that's new to you or something that you want to have more conversation about, please come talk to, to Mike or I. We'd love, we'd love to talk to people about, about God's love, but accept God's love in our life to allow the Holy Spirit to transform us and to imitate God's love. And this, friends, is, is a true love story. This is true love. This is perfect love. And this is a love story that I want to be a part of. I want our church to be a part of this kind of love. So in closing, I want to I wanna say a prayer for us. Um, and this prayer is out of Ephesians 3. And what I love about this prayer is that it speaks to the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Um, and it speaks to us being rooted and established in love. And I love that that imagery. The world may be crazy and tossing and turning and crazy storms coming our way, but we're rooted and we're established in God's love. And it speaks to knowing God's love, and not just a head knowledge, but experiencing how amazing God's love is and how how wide, long, high, and deep is the love of Christ. And so I'd like to invite you, if you're comfortable with it, to go ahead and stand. And as I read this um, prayer, if anyone who wants to join me, you're welcome to join me. We're just going to say this prayer um, as a church, and, and then we'll be done. Dear God, we pray that out of your glorious riches, you may strengthen us with power through your spirit in our inner being, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. We pray that being rooted and established in love, we may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Um, uh, It's been a blessing to be here together. I encourage you to have a blessed week to know the love of God and to live the love of God. Thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing with us this morning. I'll remind you just a couple things. A different service on New Year's Eve, remember? I'm sorry, on Christmas Eve. So uh, put that on your calendar. Join us for an hour that evening to celebrate together. Um, Also, we have a service project uh, coming up this week. Uh, If you could help, Brian and Lindy are helping their parents move out of a home. And this Saturday, they need our help. If you're willing to help, talk with Brian or myself, and we'll get some details on that. Have a blessed week. Thanks for being here with us this morning.